an assurance. If you do not leave a message, there is absolutely no chance that I will call you back. Thanks. Bye. Be your bank threatening to shut off your debit card. Or maybe the IRS is going to arrest you. Or perhaps Microsoft wants to give you your money back. Or really any other bullshit that I can think of to try to get a hold of your bank account. What's that? You don't have any cash to give us? It's fine. We actually only take Bitcoin. Or in a pinch, iTunes gift cards. Whatever you do, though, don't bother calling this number back because we spoofed it trying to get you to answer the phone because you thought maybe somebody local was calling you. God, that trick is so 2009. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, hold on, this call actually sounds like a real person, though, not like those fake-sounding text-to-speech voices. Or perhaps you're thinking, Jesus, H. Christ, now that you mention it, I've never heard anybody from India who knows how to speak using articles and prepositions correctly. And you'd be right. I can't speak or write English to save my life because I'm actually just a sad, dumb, foreign fucker with the moral backbone of a chocolate eclair. Anyway, sorry for the interruption. I'm going to go back to eating shit. You have yourself a wonderful day. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. But don't die, right? so happy I could die right now I'm so happy since you left me I could die because I'm so happy yeah, just, just kill me now welcome in everybody to the stone on air podcast Available for download on February 26, 2020, the final Wednesday of February, the final week of the second month of the year. Look at that. Boom, 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 boom. Two months, just like that, gone of the new year. Most everything that's going to happen today is stuff that's been sitting around waiting to be used for some of it over a week. Some of it even more than that. So... It's going to be as as dated as a podcast as I do, but, I mean, everything I do is pretty dated, so I'm not overly worried about it. And two of the main subjects, which are more national subjects, are still kind of hovering out there and are not all that time-specific. But if there has ever been a more appropriate uh, Marty McFly yelling at Biff in um, Back to the Future 2 right before he throws the ashtray at his head when he ducks and misses it, uh, hey, Biff, uh, you're missing one very important thing. Oh, yeah, what's that? What the hell is that? <laughs> um, that front uh, in there is uh, very much a uh, what the F is that. It was actually not to my phone. It was to my girlfriend Brittany's phone. And then I had her transfer it over to me, uh, you know, email it to me, and then I, I superimposed my own voicemail on it. But uh, that's... I don't know. Is that funny? I'm not sure. Is it interesting? I guess. Is it clever? Yeah, absolutely. But was it actually malicious in um, in its originality or, or the original purpose for it? And then because you didn't answer the phone call, it just went to that because, I don't know, you know, scammers or, I don't know, got good senses of humor or something maybe. I, I, I do not know. But I uh, I played it, first of all, because it's funny or interesting or worth doing. Second of all, 
Is it just me? Are you guys getting this too? Constant trash calls. I mean, virtually every single day. And the uh, the the interesting part about most of my trash calls, because I don't answer, let's say I answered 15% of them just because I'm just curious every now and again. And there's disguised as 423 numbers, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're from out of state. But in the day and age we're in now, 423 doesn't mean I <clears throat> I guarantee to know you. And 676 doesn't guarantee that I don't know you. Um, but I just don't answer phone calls while I don't know who it is, period. I mean, it's a new phone culture here. Don't call me. <laughs> Do not call me unless you uh, have a very specific reason for doing it. And sure as bleep, don't call me and don't leave a message. You'll never get a call back. But I'm getting phone calls primarily from my limited amount of scanning these these trash calls from healthcare providers or some kind of scam of do you need healthcare, student loans, and car recalls or car repair or car insurance or something along those lines. And I'm not entirely sure because I've only answered a few of them. But here's three things that I have very fortunate in my life to have never had much issue with in my at least my you know last 10 years of adult life. I have never been without health care. I have never had any problems with student loans. I had a few student loans that I paid off 15 years ago. And because I've driven older cars most of my life, I guess I can understand why I might get some kind of recall or insurance or concerns over a late model or an older model car, I should say. But usually you get solicitations, at least with target advertising, the way that we know it through social media, based on things that you're looking for, you're searching for, you spend your time concerned about, reading your mind, reading your retinas, right? Following your along in every move you make, listening in on your phone calls or whatever it might be. And uh, healthcare and student loans are never anything I've never needed any assistance with. I guess that just so many people do that they just roll the dice and just send these calls out everywhere. I don't know, but uh, I have noticed a lot more of those recently. Uh, so I'm going to make this a quick uh, first segment. Second segment, I'm going to play Trump at the Daytona 500. I'm going to play some audio from the 11th hour of a uh, never Trump uh, GOP strategist and how Bernie is going to ruin this entire election. A lot of people that I know are not going to want to hear that, but it's going to be overall political talk without me leaning hard either way. And then the final segment of the show is going to be uh, baseball talk, so my baseball-hating friends can check out at that point, or sports people who don't care. Just know now that the third segment is not for you. Uh, this cheating scandal from the Astros is a big damn deal. It is a really, really big deal. If you care about this game and the history of it and the integrity of it matters, this is a big, big deal, and uh, I love talking baseball, so I'll do that on the final segment of the show. Uh, real quick, I'm going to revisit something I did about five years ago, talking weather. Yes, small talk weather, hater that I am. I'm going to do that anyway. First, so real quick, uh, the Nuga Radio recap um, that I wrote down here, note to self. That was a lot of fun going on with Jeff and Jen and Russell and Jason from Nuga Radio 92.7. You know, I'm not exactly sure if they've solidified themselves as a a real authentic uh, alternative to the talk radio station, the heritage station of the city, 102.3, but they're trying their damnedest on a very, very thin budget, and they welcome me in now for the second or third time, and um, 
and treat me really, really well. And live radio is so much fun. Recording this podcast is not fun. Uh, Satisfying when it's over for a job well done, right? That's true with anything in life that's worth doing. But the act of doing it is not fun. My day gig with the radio station where I do three hours or four hours of radio every day, I do that in about an hour and ten minutes in the morning. And that's not fun. That's a damn chore. Sitting around on the radio, talking to Jeff or anybody else who is fun to uh, to to chit-chat with about things going on right then and there, and you can't mess up, and you don't get a do-over, live bullets are flying. That stuff's fun. That is a lot of fun, and I appreciate them uh, having me on. In the end, was it an important overall story about the tags, if you listened last week and all that? No, 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 no. But it was, uh, it was still very fun to do. All right, so... Weather, once again, we're by the time you hear this, we're cold again. Um, we are all over the place once again. And I come to realize something here over the last, uh, I don't know, couple of years that every year we talk about in this city how incredibly bizarre the weather is this year, right? And then you get the, uh, the weather conspiracy people talking about how uh, global warming and climate change is destroying the world because the weather is always so messed up. And, um, you know, it's just always a topic of conversation. And then I got to realizing, you know what? This, there's nothing unusual about the bizarre, drunk, uh, bipolar weather in the Southeast. It's like this every single year. And I finally came to that conclusion when I was uh, listening to something I did uh, five years ago on the talk station. This is about a minute and a half. This is me talking about the weather then thinking, oh, this is crazy. And it made me think, you know what? There's nothing crazy about this at all. This is what happens every year. But think about Chattanooga weather for 2015. Now, it's kind of on our mind right now because we've just had this crazy December. But move, go a month from now. You look at the raw data of the Chattanooga weather. If you're sitting in the weather center in wherever, 1,000 miles away, 500 miles away, and you start evaluating numbers, and you look and you say, hey, look, Chattanooga weather. The data says that it was a, it was a warm a warm winter, and it was it was it was wetter than normal. A little bit more rain than normal, but other than that, it was pretty normal down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, you and me and Mike Wood and people who have lived in this city all year long, you know, then nothing been normal about the weather around here at all. We we supposed to get snow in February. We get nothing but rain. Three a week later, we get eight inches of snow in two hours. It's either flooding. Or it's, there was a stretch where we had almost three weeks of nothing but gorgeous weather. We have 74-degree Christmases. We've got either four solid days of rain or four to eight solid days of sunshine. The humidity was very bad at, at times, but overall a pretty mild summer. Not as brutal as we've had them in the past. We had a couple stretches early in January of just crazy cold, but didn't last for long. It was up and down and all over the place. It wasn't all that normal at all. Why? Because we lived it. We were here. We saw that. We knew that. But the data doesn't really show that. The data just shows you got this much snow, you got this much rain, you got this much barometric pressure. Pretty normal. No. No, not really. No, actually, it's uh, very, very normal, and that's the way our weather is every single year. I was doing a comparison with data and then real life and how data can be 
Uh, it can be very educational and it can help uh, try to solve issues and try to understand things better, but it can also be misread. That's true with baseball statistics, any sports statistics, any kind of um, any any kind of data that is kept on anything. If if you don't look at it correctly and you don't use actual experience, it can throw you off. And that was my point that day in December of 2015 over at Talk Radio. And my point today is that 74 degree Christmas and that three weeks of flooding and that eight inches of snow in five minutes and that bone dry month and a half, that happens here every year. That's what our weather is in the Southeast. That's what it's always going to be. All right, let's see. So let's get out of here now. Uh, Trump at the Daytona 500 almost two weeks ago. And then a GOP strategist who I believe is dead on that this Bernie movement right now is going to ensure four more years of Trump. And then on the way out, the final segment, we'll talk some baseball. All right, hang tight. Stone on Air. We'll be right back. This is cool. StoneOnAir.com. Drivers, technicians, and pit crews here today. Good luck, and may the best team win. God bless you. God bless our military. God bless our veterans. And God bless America. Have a great race. Thank you. Daytona International Speedway, we love our country, and it's truly an honor to be with all of you at the great American race. Gentlemen, start your engines. I said on Twitter that day, Trump just won the state of Florida. Certainly just won the state of Florida on that Daytona 500 afternoon, which will be almost two weeks ago at the time of this recording. I generally watch the Daytona 500 every year. I keep an eye on NASCAR throughout the year, eh, you know, here, here and there. Don't really care, but I do appreciate it as a sport. And I just so happened to be uh, on over on 2A Battlefield Parkway while a bunch of kids were doing things and... I broke away to go to Buffalo Wild Wings to uh, have a couple of beers and hang out. And there was a MAGA guy right next to me, and he was totally fine. Like, he was not, initially, he was not, like, in your face. If you don't agree with me, then go F you type, which you can get that on both sides quite, quite clearly and quite obviously. He was more of a just proud of what he was seeing and uh, and generally uh generally friendly except as the next hour and a half went along and the race the race got postponed and then a tv got changed on accident and he started to show his ass a little bit but all in all it was all good at the end of the day he was just a uh kind of a redneck southern guy who likes his bank account loves his country and loves his race and i uh, i humored him for as long as i could but trump's uh gentlemen start your engines to start the uh, race, you know, I mean, it was all right, but it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Matthew McConaughey, right? All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your engine! That's just as about as great as it gets. That was about 15 years ago. 
Uh, I think it was about 2003 or so. But all right, so enough about Daytona, enough about racing, enough about who does or doesn't like Don Trump. That's not the point of this um, segment. The point of this segment is, is that, first of all, Trump's president in uh, November 2020 for a second term. I just cannot be convinced that in any scenario, any way you can shake this rug out, that anything happens other than Trump wins a second term. Now, the only thing that would change that, and that's true in any cycle of an election, is a an economy that goes to, to shit. That goes just, you know, absolutely awful. That's all anybody cares about. That's all anybody in this country cares about is how much money they have and how much retirement they have, even though most people don't know how the hell to save for their retirement anyway. They pretend they do. And then the people who really do, who have money in the stocks, that's all they care about. That's it. And right now, other than the coronavirus overreaction mess, that you know, that's gonna that's gonna fix itself. The Dow Jones is at twenty nine thousand, or now it's down to twenty seven thousand. I was listening to Tony Kornheiser today, and he was talking about how it was like eight hundred when he was in his twenties. It's at twenty seven plus thousand right now, and as long as that stays healthy, then the president will continue to be reelected. But let's just talk about it for a minute because tonight is the final Democratic debate before Super Tuesday, which I'm really looking forward to seeing how Super Tuesday unfolds. Obviously, South Carolina this weekend is going to be very important. But this Bernie movement right now is really sticking. Um, Old man Biden isn't working. I hate it. It upsets me. I want nothing more than Joe Biden to be the president. Um, I don't think I'd even have much of a problem at all. I can't really figure out where the issues are with Mike Bloomberg being president. Now, what you might be getting out of me is a generation and a, you know or so of me following along with moderate liberals, moderate Democrats. And right now, that's not what's in fashion. You know, the, the fads, the trends are to be to be extreme and to make major revolutionary change with a lot of these. This, this movement, these rallying cries, battle cries within the Bernie bro movement, I actually agree with a whole lot of it. I really, really, really do. Healthcare for profit doesn't work. We're sick in this country. We're dying in this country because of our inadequate healthcare. And I think it needs a massive overhaul. And I do think healthcare is a right. I am passionate about that. I'm not Bernie bro levels of passionate about it, but I do believe that if you are sick, you should be uh, you should be able to access health care in the richest nation in the world. And I think if you think that that's like ridiculous or not okay or we shouldn't move towards that, you know, we got some ideological issues. But outside of that, I don't get too loud. I I don't think that the minimum wage is nearly as important as it is, uh, it is the talking points make it sound like it is. I don't think that student loans should just be forgiven and gotten rid of. Uh, I think that reform how the federal government gets involved with the lending and third-party institutions to, uh, to, to, to children and people who have no collateral or any credit needs to be abolished, needs to go away. Though federally insured law, loans are gone. But that's not, you know, that's not the talking point that works with the Bernie bros. I am an advocate for not polluting away the world and clean up after yourself and stop being an asshole about it. But I don't have super strong takes on what to do about climate 
crises. I just, I just don't. There's only, I can only focus on so many things at one time. And I will just say that this attack on the rich, the attack on, for some reason, if, if you're in a billionaire like Mike Bloomberg, getting treated like you're some kind of evildoer is bizarre to me. I do uh, admit that when I see like a Jeff Bezos buy a $165 million home and then they do the math and it shows that if whatever it was on a $60,000 a year uh, income, then that house costs you like 20 bucks or something like that. Like I, I will admit to being bewildered by that a little bit, but I don't find it being evil and I don't find it that it should be reversed or not allowed. That's not what we're trying to do here. Um, I understand super PACs and lobbyists and corporations, billions of dollars of corporational influence in an election. Mike Bloomberg made all that money, right? You got to have billions to win an election. I'm sorry if, you know, somebody doesn't like it. That's the truth. Him being vilified for being one of the most successful men in the history of of America, I find to be strange. But all that aside, I love Bernie Sanders. I love the 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 genuine nature of the man. I love that he never fumbles on himself. He never flubs. He knows exactly, partially because he says the same thing over and over again. But you, you get my point. The guy's been doing this for 40 years, 50 years, however long it's been. He's never had a stance really waver whatsoever. And that goes, you know, counter to most politicians which waver all the time and especially the president we have now and a lot of these that are running on the democratic primary right now one minute they say one thing one minute they say another but i do believe right now where we're at in the polarization that we have bernie sanders is going to guarantee trump not only wins landslides and I already thought that before I caught uh, the 11th hour with Brian Williams the other day. This is, uh, I think his name is, yes, yeah, Rick Wilson. I follow him on Twitter. I will let um, Brian just do the actual uh, introduction of who this guest is for the next four cuts of audio. Here with us tonight to answer some of these tough questions, Rick Wilson, longtime Republican strategist, co-founder of the Lincoln Project, a super PAC created by conservatives with the aim of defeating Trump and Trumpism. His new book is Running Against the Devil, A Plot to Save America from Trump and Democrats from Themselves. And that's just as important on the end as saving everybody from Trump, but also saving the Democrats from themselves. Uh, the first question is talking about well, where does Obama go? Because he has, he does, or at least he did, have a very strong influence within the uh, within the party. Where does he start to uh, give advice? And then when it comes endorsement time, what what makes the most sense for what once upon a time seemed like a Democratic Party that was united? It doesn't seem to be that way at all anymore. Well, the difficulty for Barack Obama right now is that as the elder statesman of his party, as a guy who won two smashing electoral victories for the Democrats and who was one of the most popular and remains one of the most popular political figures of either party in the country, um, he has enormous power reposed in him right now. And the question that must be burdening him is, is what they said. Do you take a Bernie who can put together 30% or 35% of the delegates and the rest of the peanut butter is spread too thin to have any other person as the, as the obvious um, you know, competitor? Uh, and does he spend his political capital to do that? Now, I'm not a guy who's been famous for giving Barack Obama advice, but I would say, if he's thinking this through, that 
you know, if you want to keep the House and you want to compete for the Senate and you want to win the presidency, you run like hell from Bernie Sanders. More on that here in a minute from the down ballots from this year's election. Um, it really is Bernie versus everybody else. I mean, I know Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren's there and kind of cut from the same mold, but I don't think she's nearly as viable as some uh, act like she is. And really, Bernie isn't a Democrat at all, right? You know, there is now a lane where where it's Bernie versus every other kind of Democrat. And Bernie not being an actual Democrat um, is going to cause, you know, this party, uh, in my view, um, to, to I, I call him this in my book. He is Trump's reelection insurance policy because everything that you the, the, the Republicans around Trump are giggling and dancing a victory dance already. They're popping bottles in the thought it's going to be Bernie Sanders. Now, the only thing I will say there is that the Democrats and Hillary Clinton were popping champagne bottles and having a party when this Trump, what at one time looked like a major mess within the GOP was happening, you know, late, you know, what, uh, mid-16, towards the fall of 16. That was happening in the Democratic Party. We all thought, whether we liked it or not, I can't even say that I would have, I, I, you know, I was pretty torn at the time not torn between i didn't know which one to pick i was certainly sure as shit wasn't gonna pick trump but yeah we thought this was gonna go a certain way and i might want to be careful and don't don't forget history when it comes to the wacky political system here in america more as i was talking about the uh, down ballot votes how will this affect the house the senate going forward if bernie were to be the uh the nominee um in down ballot races a lot of the places that are competitive in 2020 are not super woke states. They're not hyper progressive states. You know, North Carolina is a is a reddish purple state trending more purple, but it's not there yet for the Democrats. If they have Bernie Sanders at the top of the ticket in places like like North Carolina and Arizona and, and Michigan, you're probably going to ensure the Republicans pick up those seats. And so those competitive races suddenly look less competitive. Nancy Pelosi has been eyeballing the exits a little bit, too, wondering what it does to her House majority. Because, again, Bernie Sanders is an incredibly divisive figure with, with people who are not Bernie bros, with people who are not Bernie Sanders fans. Um, and it gives you know, the, the, the Trump guys a caricature that is so vivid and so loud and so crazy that even some of those moderates who have drifted away from the GOP are going to go, Oh, God, here's another terrible binary choice. I've got to pick either this jerk, Donald Trump, or the communist grandpa. And so it's going to be a tough ride, I think, if they make Bernie the nominee. And Yeah, it's, I mean, truth hurts sometimes. And I, I don't want Donald Trump to be president for another day. Or let me rephrase that. Donald Trump or Mike Pence. So that's why the impeachment was ridiculous. But this, just right now, right this time period is not the time for a major revolution. This is a time to get back to common sense uh, politics in this country, I believe. And I know a lot of people younger than me are cussing at me right now, probably already turned this off by now. But that's what Bloomberg's doing right now. Biden started this strategy, and he's failing at it, damn it. Come on, Joe. But this isn't about the mayor from Indiana. This isn't about the senator from Minnesota. This isn't about the kook from Massachusetts, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, if you're Joe Biden or Mike Bloomberg. This is about defeating Trump and defeating Trump only. Mike Bloomberg's not wrong in the predicate that the primary mission of the Democratic nominee is to make the race a referendum on Donald Trump. 
and to beat Donald Trump. Everything else is secondary. There is an underpinning magical reality to the Bernie people, uh, or magical realism to the Bernie people, where they think out there in the heart of the country, in those swing states, in the seven or eight major swing states, and the 15 total swing states, they think that there's this like progressive movement ready to rise up from the cornfields of the Midwest and, and, and storm the bastion and put the aristocrats in the tumbrel and take them to the guillotine. It doesn't exist. It's in their brains, but it doesn't exist. There is no sign of a massive progressive groundswell out there in the country. They're, they're making this thing up, and it sounds great on paper, but like a lot of revolutions, it's going to fall flat when reality comes and collides with them like a freight train. So that is Rick Wilson. He's a former uh, GOP strategist, kind of a Tea Party type from about a decade ago or so. So he ain't a Democrat, not at all. But he, you know, that that's what he does, strategize from a political stance and, you know, try to get eyes and ears on a TV show. I get it. Ah, I just don't see it. I don't I don't see Bernie Sanders uniting a party. I just I don't. I know so many people that love him to death, but I've always said, how are you going to pay for all this, man? How are you going to pay for all this, dude? And guess what's going to happen if he were? Let's just say let's say he does take over. Let's say he does win the uh, the nomination and then the presidency. Well, then all the Republicans are going to pretend to care about the uh, the national debt again. Right. I mean, because nobody cares about that when it doesn't matter. But as soon as somebody gets in power that starts spending money, then you change the talking points into this person doesn't care about your future. This person's evil. This person, oh, it's just, it's, it's broken. It's torn. It's awful. It's terrible. But it's the truth. Donald Trump's going to be the president for the next four and a half years. And I don't like it, but I do believe that it's going to be true. All right, let's see. So uh, one segment to go here. Put the wraps on the show. Talking baseball, stealing signs, cheating, how big a deal it is. I think it's a very big deal if that sport means anything to you whatsoever or if integrity within athletic competition means anything at all. We'll get to that coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. Why is he calling for curveball? God damn it. Time out. Hey! Why are you shaking me off? Huh? I want to bring the heater to announce my presence with authority. To announce your what? To announce my presence with authority. To announce your fucking presence with authority? This guy's a first ball fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. All right, mate. Give me your heat. Fastball. Teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. He did know. Ah. I told him. 
Klazuska, na 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 baseball. Na 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 na. The scooter, the best movie ever. They knew Top five at least. Certainly the best baseball movie ever. Top three at least. <laughs> Guess it depends on who you ask. Bull Durham. Well, Casey was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. Used uh, that movie so many times for audio and rejoins that that don't have anything to do with baseball whatsoever, or have everything to do with baseball. Talking baseball. Talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller. It is the perfect representation of minor league baseball. In the 80s and 90s primarily, not as much. It's not it doesn't hold up completely anymore because the the technological advances of the game all the way around, but And so at the beginning of that in case you're not familiar with it, which if you're still here listening to this right now, you're right now you're probably familiar with it, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, explain it. So Nuke is uh is the the young hotshot pitcher and Kevin Costner is the old grizzled He's only on the team to try to help the, the 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 prospect learn how to pitch, and he shakes him off, and then he says, "Okay, well, whatever, dude." Goes back, tells dude, "Hey, fastball's coming." He tees off, he hits a home run. Boy, it seemed he seemed like he knew I was going to throw it. He did, because I told him. And the point there is, which I hope is obvious, that if you know what pitch. The pitcher is going to throw a major league hitter, certainly, but any level professional baseball player has an unfair advantage beyond anything that we can comprehend from the precedents set in cheating in baseball over the last 120 some odd years. And of course, I'm talking about the Astros cheating scandal. I guess the Red Sox did it too. I don't know. The The biggest bombshell here is a 2017 Astros. And when, um, when, when steroids was a big thing in the late 90s, when it first started to kind of be whispered about, and then into the early 2000s when Barry Bonds was hitting 73 home runs. Good Lord. What? Dude had like a 600 on base percentage. The guy was, first of all, one of the most amazing baseball players that ever lived and given some uh, assistance and cheating and drugs and pharmaceuticals, designer performance enhancers. He became out of this world, not human type player. Also as big an asshole as you'll ever meet. But all that aside, the argument against it was the devil's advocate debate was well yeah sure they're hopped up on these designer pharmaceutical steroids and hgh and human growth hormone that's what hgh is and uh sure they're breaking some of the rules but you still got to hit the ball right you still got to go out there and play the game you still got to be able to uh, have that high level of skill or it doesn't really do anything for you. So it's not like cheating in that exact same sense. And while that's a pretty piss poor argument, there is something to it to a certain degree. Plus you're up against players who are doing the same thing. The whole league was dirty as hell for 20, 
25 years. And this was not just in the late 90s and 2000s. This was in the early 90s and the late 80s as well. Greenies and amphetamines and all those things. I mean, there was an unregulated world of uh, human conditioning within the game for uh, decades. And it was when things got just totally out of hand with how designer this had become that people were turning into, you know, morphed, you know, mutated selves. It was, it was, it was a bad look for baseball, but you could still always have hang on to that little bit of an argument of, you know, it wasn't really that big a deal because it, you know, you still had to be an amazing player. And okay, fine, table that over there. What it wasn't was a systematic, fundamental approach organizationally from the front office to middle management to the players to the bullpen coaches of a systemic, elaborate scheme to cheat constantly for at least one year that we know for sure, but likely for two or three years in a row. And it is embarrassing. It is disgusting as a Major League Baseball fan. I am a massive fan of this sport. If you're listening to this, you already know that. And that Astros team was is phenomenal. They're amazing. That was one of the best teardown, rebuild, organizational philosophies of a lifetime, of generations. Unfortunately, part of that organizational philosophy ended up being an elaborate cheating scheme. And people who don't care about this sport all that much don't understand this and have an approach the same way that the, oh, well, you still had to hit the ball, you know, steroid apologist type uh, usually comes from. And that's this is different than that. What's hard for people to wrap their brain around when it comes to that high level of sporting competition is that, you know, if you watch batting practice, right, like everybody who hits batting practice just kills the ball. Why? Because they know what's being thrown. A little bit of a not perfect example, I know, because live bullets in a game, even if you know where it's coming from, doesn't mean it's going to be a strike. I understand that. But just the most uh, average professional hitter, if he knows what that pitch is going to be, has an astronomically better chance of success on that pitch. And when you add in some of the best players in the league, because that's what the Astros have been, and then you add in that kind of unfair advantage, this is cheating as far as cheating goes. Black Sox be damned. Steroids to hell with you. This is as elaborate and as as disgusting of a cheating scandal in sports that I, I, I've ever heard of. And I say there's only one way to respond to this. Vacate the title. Strip the title and be done with it. Stop asking Altuve every day, and we're, this whole year is going to be this mess. This is going to be one of the most dis- messiest seasons of Major League Baseball in, you know, of 100 years. I don't, need, I don't care what these players have to say about this. Strip the title. Other sports do it, and and I know the response there, and I've said it too. But at times, oh, USC didn't win the tro- the championship in 04, right? Because of Reggie Bush. I watched that Rose Bowl. I watched them win the national championship. It happened. NCAA is you know as dumb as it gets. No, I don't consider the Astros the 2017 World Series champions, and they shouldn't be on the books. Or if they sh- uh, if they are. There should be some kind of exhibit, some kind of asterisk, Houston asterisk, right? Uh, it's terrible. 
And in the end, I, I guess I just think if you don't agree with me, then you just don't care that much about baseball. And that's fine. You know, having a love affair with, you know, that game is not necessarily important to anybody's life. I understand that. And, um, you know, we all have our things. But if that game means anything to you, that's it's 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 reprehensible and it's not okay and what makes this so much different than other scandals within the, this sport specifically but even using other examples of other sports is that players are so against this te- these this specific team of the Astros people are coming out left and right and talking about this people who normally never ever speak like my guy Nick Markakis from the Atlanta Braves, who the people have been trying to run him off for the last year or two. He's one of the most professional, uh, incredible hitters of a generation who gets no credit for it whatsoever, just goes about his business and keeps quiet and just, you know, lives a very professional life. He was infuriated. To see something like that, it's, it's, it's damaging to baseball. It angers you, especially from a guy who has played the game the right way his whole career. No shortcuts. Um, I know how hard this game is. I know how hard uh, preparing for this game is. And to, uh, to see something like that, it's, it's, it's damaging to baseball. You know, it, it's anger. I feel like every single guy over there needs a beating. Every single guy over there needs a beating. This is from a guy who has virtually never had an opinion on anything. The guy has a game-winning hit or a walk-off home run, and you can barely even get an emotion out of him. He was an Oriole for years before he was a Brave. I was in Baltimore uh, almost two years ago now talking to so many fans at the stadium about how they missed Nick Markakis so bad. Never says a word. Ne- doesn't have an opinion on anything. Except this has infuriated him. You know, it's, it's wrong. They're messing with people's careers. You know, I know we're all competitive and we're all we're out there competing, but there's right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it and uh, I 100% disagree with the way they did it you know there's a lot of people uh, that were hurt by it um, and it was wrong and I I think the punishment and everything I think just everything has been taken everything's been handled the wrong way Um, you know you got two guys that are sitting at home that you can kind of you know give them a little bit of leeway and they're not they're not in the game right now and then you got uh, the players who did it who are, are, are scot-free. And he's talking about the managers from the Astros and then Alex Cora, who was fired from the Red Sox, who used to be on the bench back in 2017 in Houston. So his point was there was a couple of examples made, but the players who made it happen, who cheated their way to a potential regular season awards and a World Series championship, got away with nothing. The final thoughts from Nick Markakis of the Atlanta Braves. You know, I know there's a lot of political stuff behind it but uh you know it's wrong you don't want to see that you know everybody's out there competing and trying to do things the right way and when you got guys like that it's uh it's pretty sad you know those guys have a lot of talent over there but to take it to that level is is wrong you know it's um i know as players we we do not agree with what they did we don't stand behind them and never will we support them for their actions I think they got off. Uh, they got off pretty easy. Um, you know, they're going to be able to go out there and compete with no ramifications at all, which is wrong. And I think the commissioner completely handled it the wrong way. 
but you know that's the way he did it and you know that's the way we got to live with it you know I know a lot of people disagree with him and uh the way he handled the situation he should be embarrassed of himself my guy Nick Marquez telling the commissioner that he should be embarrassed of himself this is a guy for his entire career has said virtually nothing um Chris Bryant is the third baseman sometimes first baseman plays a little outfield too for the Chicago Cubs I really would like the Braves to trade for him, but outside of that, he's a scummy cub, but he wasn't happy either. What a disgrace that was. Just watching their apology yesterday, too. Just There's just it, it, there's no sincerity. There's no genuineness when it comes to it. Um, I just It's just hard to believe. It really is. It's sad. A lot of the apology yesterday was a lot about 2017. 2017, it's like... I'm pretty sure it was going on in 2018, 2019 too. If they didn't get caught, they'd still be doing it. And you know, they're only doing this apology because they got caught. I personally think it's worse than steroids. I really do. I mean, it's steroids. You still have to compete and hit the ball. You know, it's coming. I mean, off of, off of these pitchers, like guys throwing upper 90s with really good curveballs and sliders, and you can totally formulate a unbelievable game plan based on certain things if you know what they're coming like it's just frustrating and I mean they're gonna they're gonna have a tough year this year for sure I mean I everybody around the league is really upset and rightfully so because it's really a disgrace to the game yeah I mean it absolutely is and it is amazing how many players are coming out and saying this final one here is Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers thought the apologies were whatever thought Jim Cranes was weak I thought Manfred's punishment was weak giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. You know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Everyone knows they stole the ring from us. No, personally, I lost respect for those guys. I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. I don't know what human hits a walk-off home run against Raldis Chapman to send your team to the World Series. And one has the thought to say, don't rip my jersey off. But to go in the tunnel, change your shirt, and then come out and do your interview. Like that, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, and that's, uh, that, you've seen that video by now, likely, when he hits that walk off to go to the World Series and he's like, don't tear off my jersey. You can almost see him, uh, his, his words, his mouth, the lip sync of it. And then he runs into the, to the uh, tunnel, changes shirts, and comes back out. You know, I don't know, whatever. I'm not sure what is or isn't exactly true, except they've mostly admitted to almost everything that's out there. It's awful, and this is going to be a fun year in a way because everybody hates the Astros. They're going to get booed all year long. They're going to get thrown at regularly, and I'm just happy that they're, uh, you know, they're in the American League, and I don't have to even think about them as we get uh, spring training underway and Major League Baseball going here shortly. After that. All right, that's it. I got to run. Appreciate you guys uh, and gals. I uh, had a lot of this sitting around. I know a lot of it's dated, and I just didn't want to waste putting all this uh, audio stuff together after I had the run-in with old Sarah, what's her name, from uh, the city of uh, East Ridge. So, y'all take care. I don't know when the next show is. Very likely could be next week. We'll see. Have a great one. Take care. Bye.